Quickly to Wall. Wall yeah. measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We offer um, expert analysis from our local experts breaking down the biggest stories each and every day, Monday through Friday. We've actually been generous in giving you a few more podcasts as the playoffs roll in. Uh, we had a, a Saturday morning part two of our preview of the Wizards Raptors series this morning with uh, District Mamba. Sorry, I don't know why I call him District Mamba. He's on Twitter as District Mamba, but Arthur Renault is the guy's name. I am Noah Getzel, your host um, and beat reporter for Wizards Extra blog which is run by our guest tonight, Dustin Allwood. Dustin, you're about to be a father soon. Does that kind of keep you level-headed after you see the Wizards kind of <laughs> blow things up in the fourth quarter here as they lost uh, game one to the Raptors? Yeah, that and probably the uh, low expectations heading in. So, you know, at this point, when you stumble from, you know, fourth, fifth seed area down to eighth in a, you know, a month, uh, it kind of gives you just a perspective of, hey, anything we can do in here is gravy in this series, so. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, a roller coaster. It's been like that all year round, so don't expect things to change and, you know, the fourth quarter to turn out well after things look good for a little bit. So the final score was uh, 114-106 Raptors. We're going to kind of talk about some of the keys to the game, uh, and then we're after a break we're going to talk about Wall and Beal kind of having really quiet fourth quarters. Um, Wall was definitely trying to force it a little bit, bit too much and got into it with the refs. And finally, we're going to end by talking about some of the keys in terms of what needs to change for Game 2 in, in Toronto before it comes back to D.C. So, you know, first and foremost, the Raptors hit 16 threes, and they scored 43 points off the bench. Do you What do you think was kind of like the defensive lapse that led the Raptors to, to get so many open three-pointers. I know they've been doing it all season, but do you think that there was, you know, the guards kind of, was it like coming off of switches and pick and rolls, or did you see anything that was like a common trend that led to so many threes, Dawson? Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of open looks, especially in the second half off of, honestly, pretty good ball movement uh, by Toronto. You know, in, in the fourth quarter, they were really uh, swinging the ball pretty well. Um, Ibaka got them going early. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gortat was trying to jump out to guard him. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, we all know watching the Wizards, they, they're they just not built to play uh, their big guys that they have committed so much money to. And, you know, Gortat and Mahin may just struggle on getting out the shooters. And uh, Toronto took advantage of that in a few instances. Um, you know, when the CJ Wizards Miles did try to go... hit four threes off the bench. Um who else? Dor- yeah, Dewan, so right? Miles is just yeah, he unguardable for a period. I mean, he reined one in from you know thirty plus easy. 
at one point in the second quarter. And then, um, you know, when the Wizards did try to go small, um, rather than playing Otto Porter at the four, they they went Keith at the five and Mike Scott at the four. And, you know, I'd like to see them switch that up a little bit. And, uh, you know, Otto at the four, if you remember back to 2015, I mean, just killed the Raptors. Yeah. Um, he was a terror on the glass. Um, which is another place the Wizards were really, really struggling, at least early on, um, on the boards against Toronto. I, I mean, well, I think they, they were... got some second chance opportunities too. Um, I don't, yeah. I can't remember the final statistic, but they, they uh, threw up it was like eleven to four in terms of second chance buckets, second chance points. I'm not sure what it ended up being. It doesn't say on ESPN. I'll have to double check that one. But yeah, the Wizards did get out rebounded um, against pretty much a smaller lineup because they didn't really go with. It, it seemed like um, Valanciunas and Jacob Jakobodal didn't kind of have too many minutes down the stretch. Valanciunas finished yeah. with 23, Podol 15. Yeah, definitely in the fourth quarter, they, they went small and just terrorized the Wizards. Um, what is know, the best they're... defense for trying to contain Serge Ibaka in your mind? Who would be the best defender on him? I mean, honestly, most of his threes were pretty uncontested. You've got to get a hand in his face. You know, he, he missed a couple when they did actually get a hand up. But, uh, you know, I really think I, I wouldn't play him as a true stretch four. I would definitely run him off the three-point line and make him put the ball on the floor. But, um, you know, I think you just really got to – match up a little bit better. Uh, you know, unless Valanciunas is on the floor, I don't really see a spot for Gortat or Mahimi in this series. Yeah. Uh, the frustrating thing is Scott Brooks is kind of stubborn with that, and he's going to play Gortat his you know, prescribed minutes no matter what it seems. And honestly, the only reason they went small and had success in the first quarter, at the end of the first quarter and in the second quarter, was foul trouble. You know, Mahimi and Gortat both picked up two quick ones, um, and he was forced to go small. And that's what has me a little worried going forward is unless there's foul trouble, are we going to see those more small ball style lineups, which really gave the Wizards great success. And that's why they, they, they took the, the lead into that. Yeah, no doubt. Were you surprised that Sadoransky had such a small contribution? When you look at the Wizards bench, they got outscored 43-21. Mike Scott had an excellent performance. He was getting a lot of... Um, you know, dunks and put-back layups, uh, he hit... Oh, no, he didn't shoot any threes, but uh, it looked like he just had it working all over because he was 7 of 10, um, 14 points, yeah. and 3 rebounds. And he was the only guy on the bench who, who really made a significant contribution, though. Um, he had 27 minutes. Next guy to have, you know, anything close to that was Ubre with 16. Uh, Sadoransky had 12, and then just 4 minutes for Frazier and 3 for Mahimni. And outside of yeah, outside of Mike Scott, it was only seven points off the bench. Was it surprising to see Sadoransky have such so few minutes after you know what an important role he played for the team uh, while Wall was absent? Or did you kind of feel like once Wall comes back, Sadoransky is going to really have to fight for any minutes? Well, I'm not surprised by it. Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't the case, um, right. but you know it's it's pretty clear that Scott Brooks has never really trusted Sadoransky. I mean, even when Wall was out, so often we saw them run fourth quarters with very little play from Sadoransky. Yeah, Bradley um, they would run point, guard point guardless basketball yeah. effectively. And, you know, I, I really think 
they have to find a role for Sadoransky, and not just a role of just biding time until Wall comes back in the game. I, I think, you know, he's proven to be an effective point guard in this league. Um, he has a lot of skills that translate to playoff basketball. You know, he he has a great basketball IQ. He's got length. He can finish. Um, and he plays pretty good defense. You know, that was honestly my concern for him coming into the league was what as a six seven point guard was he really going to be able to um stay in front of point guards at mm-hmm. this level and he's shown that he has been able to so i think there's definitely a place for him in this series um but brooks has to find better ways to utilize him um i think there was a lot of questions i'd have about his rotation i'd want to get sadaransky some playing time with more shooters right. and Less of with the all bench lineup, which is what he did tonight. Really, Mike Scott was the only bench <laughs> yeah. guy. It was Frazier and Ubre, and Ubre's been struggling a lot. So yeah, that was you're right. Mike Scott was the only one who can reliably hit threes when Sadoransky was in the game, and of course he had yeah. just one assist during his, his short period of action, 0 for 3 from the yeah. Field. I mean, they stacked the paint and forced Sadoransky to try and score, and um, uh, he had one bucket in the paint, um, but. You know, he, he really wasn't looking to score. Um, so, you know, hopefully we see a better better rotation from Scott Brooks in Game 2 and going forward in the series. Yeah, and we're going to take a real quick break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what went wrong in the fourth quarter, especially with uh, John Wall going 1 for 5. His only layup came with 20 seconds left when the game was already out of reach, and then Beal kind of disappeared. He took three shots, missed a couple of threes, and... Just hit one layup. Uh, So we're going to talk more about how the Wizards stars and all-stars kind of faded late in the game and why that might have happened right when we come back uh, on Locked on Wizards. Once again, I'm Noah Getzel, and Dustin Allwood is the guest tonight. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, This is the Locked on Wizards podcast, and the Wizards just lost game one of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals is that what it's considered quarterfinals to the yep. to the raptors um so this game was in toronto nobody really expected the wizards to win but they definitely showed some glimpses and gave the the home fan base a lot of hope that they would be in it until the end of the fourth quarter by the way um so locked on wizards make sure to subscribe on itunes or stitcher or spotify um you can also check us out on google play lockedonwizards.com or just click the links that we post on Twitter, at LockedOnWizards. Make sure to follow Wizards Extra as well. Um, That's the blog that I report for, the blog that Dustin... Did you start it, or did you just kind of, like, take the reins and I just took it over and ran it. i got to give credit to Adam. Adam Bradley for that. (laughs) And, Dustin, can you remind everyone where they can follow you on Twitter? Sure. I'm at Range Rover Allwood. Yeah, and there's no A in range, right? R-N-G-E? Okay. Gotcha, and I'm Noah underscore Getzel, G-O-E-T-Z-E-L. So, what did you see out of John Wall in the fourth quarter? It looked like he, you know, he had some good plays, he had some steals, and he was attacking the basket, which is always nice, but he just forced it too much. They weren't really, the Wizards ended up with 29 assists, and Wall had 15 of those, but he wasn't really playing team basketball, per se, at the end of the game. Uh, what, What do you think he was struggling with? Yeah, I mean, I think he tried to force it a little bit, but, you know, I think he was also just struggling with the fact that he was not getting any any calls at the rim. Um, obviously, we know John Wall's a much better finisher than what he showed tonight. You know, he's still shaking off some rust. You know, he's not been playing back-to-backs. 
and he's only been back for a few weeks. So, um, you know, I think this kind of thing is to be expected. I, th- I think we saw a lot of good out of John Wall. You know, the final uh, shooting numbers don't look great um, for the floor, but um, I liked the aggression that I saw. You know, there was only maybe a couple bad decisions in there, but I mean, for the most part, they were when the game had kind of gotten away from the Wizards, um, and he was trying to make something happen. Um, but, you know, I think, honestly, it's got to be a little bit on the other guys around him yeah. to take some of the pressure off of him. I mean, nobody Porter only else took was seven shots. There was a lot of standing around. Nobody was demanding the ball. Um, you know, when, he, when they did move the ball, shooters didn't take shots that they had. I, I remember Mike Scott passing up an open look in the in the fourth and um you know Beal was not aggressive until very very late um and you know that just can't be the case and you know every game I hear Wizards fans screaming for Otto Porter to be used more in the fourth quarter but some of that's on him you know Mm -hmm. if you're Otto Porter you can't just say oh I, I never get any looks in the fourth quarter nobody ever runs any plays for me in the NBA, if you want to be the guy, you've got to go get the ball. Especially you have to go in the playoffs, yeah. Get yourself open, and you have to make things happen. And that's just not Otto's style. Um, and that's why I think he would be so valuable playing at the four in this series because he can kind of get those garbage points. He ha- he'll probably have a matchup in his favor with his quickness mm-hmm. uh, versus you know a Serge Ibaka or somebody. Um, and you know, really. The game kind of changed on that Kyle Lowry um, flagrant foul that they called on Mike Scott, right. which I did not think was flagrant. And I was honestly quite shocked that they called it because I thought it was a basketball play. It was a hard foul, but uh, you know maybe I could see that being called a flagrant in the regular season. But playoff basketball, uh, I don't know. I mean, the game kind of changed there. They got a four-point possession out of that, took the lead, and never looked back. Um, so, you know, I understand John... Is probably frustrated. Thought he didn't get a lot of calls, um, but you know I liked the aggressiveness overall. He was attacking the rim and not settling for jumpers for the most part. So, you know I, I don't think John Wall is going to go, you know, two for twelve from the paint uh, in most games. So, you know things will probably be better as the series goes on if he continues attacking that way. Mm-hmm. And when you mention uh, Otto Porter playing the stretch four role, another advantage of that would be drawing one of the shot blockers, either Serge Ibaka or Jakob Podol, away from the hoop. So it kind of frees up guys like Beal and Wall to drive into the rim without as much of a contest since, you know, those, those guys have to stay home on Porter unless, you know, they, they want him to get the open three. So that would be another benefit of, you know, rolling him into that stretch four role. Um, Marquise Morris played incredibly well, uh, 9 of 15. He was, you know, the one wizard to shoot over 50%. Well, and shoot, you know, 10 shots or more. Gortat went 6-9, which was solid, but only 6 rebounds from him. Morris led the team with 11 boards, 6 assists as well. Uh, I think, you know, after John, I would say that, well, I would say, yeah, I would say Morris had the most complete game after John, who had 23 points, 15 assists, yeah, 4 had, steals, and 2 blocks. He had like 6 blocks. assists too, didn't he? Didn't yeah, Morris? Yeah, 11 rebounds and 6 assists along with 22 points, so that was pretty good. Beal played all right, but again, in the fourth quarter... I think it's just really tough. It kind of was a similar situation when uh, Scott Brooks was coaching OKC, and like one of those players has to take a back seat, 
you know, whether it's Westbrook and Durant versus Wall and Beal, you can't both be like the dominant, you know, guy who's who's hold, having the ball in his hands and taking the majority of the shots in the fourth quarter. In an ideal world, the Wizards would just share it so well that you don't need to worry about someone, you know, trying to make all those crunch time plays and you'll just find the best shot available each play. But it looked to me like Bradley Beal was, was really fading in the fourth quarter um, once John Wall came back in. Yeah, and, and you know, I get what you're saying. You know, you have two stars and somebody's got to not have the ball in their hands at all times. But, you know, what frustrates me about this team and fourth quarter execution, and, you know, when you, when you look at it, I don't see how you can't put the blame on Scott Brooks because it's exactly what he got torn apart for in OKC, mm-hmm. is they really just devolve into isolation hero ball. Right. And that's not what what sustains their success through three quarters. You know, what, what what gets them going through three quarters is ball movement and player movement. And in the fourth quarter, it just falls to four guys standing around watching the dribbler. Right. And I just, you know, I get it. You've got star players and you want to live and die with them. But live and die with them making plays within the offense. Don't yeah. go away from what got you to that point in the fourth quarter. You know, they, they had the lead in the fourth quarter and I mean, Toronto just thoroughly outplayed them in the fourth. Um, you know, they, their ball movement was excellent. They got a number of threes that came after four or five plus passes on mm-hmm. possession. And that's what the wizards have to do. You know, I mean, obviously I don't think the wizards have as many three point shooters throughout the lineup as the Raptors do, but it doesn't always have to be threes, you know, ball movement gets layups player movement, cuts, uh, that's what the Wizards have to be. Um, the everybody eats mentality has to survive, and it, it was through three quarters. Um, and in the fourth quarter, it just fell to we're either going to win on the back of John Wall getting to the rim or we're going to lose. And tonight it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the defining plays of the game, uh, it was a little bit, it was kind of getting close to out of hand. It was uh, two minutes to go. Uh, the Wizards were down 109-101. And Wall drove to the rim. He was screaming for a foul like he normally does. He didn't get the call. Serge Ibaka got the rebound. And then Lowry just found him for like the easiest dunk in the world. It might have been a layup or dunk. And John Wall just was so frustrated that he didn't switch over off the pick and roll. And he didn't, you know... Let any, there was no help defense on Ibaka. He rolled freely to the rim, got an easy layup, which was just demoralizing. Um, Bradley Beal missed a three the next play, and then you could just tell yep. with a minute 30 to go, the game was over. So I think you know yeah, you the defense was... You can't let those yeah. those frustrations impact your defense. For sure. And, or miss shots, which is you know so often the case with this Wizards team. We're going to take yep. another quick break, uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about you know what it will take for the Wizards to, to shut this machine down that is the Toronto Raptors in Canada uh in game two because it was very close through three quarters in fact it was close until um about six and a half minutes to go it was uh you know it was a, a four-point game and then CJ Miles had three it became eh, it was like yeah it was close through about what 42 44 minutes of this game even until about three minutes to go it was still within striking distance but eventually the Wizards got into, you know, the the officiating kind of was too much of a distraction, at least for John Wall. So, yeah, uh, of course, he mentioned, like, good ball man, movement the whole way. So we'll talk about different strategies that the Wizards can do, maybe lineup tweaks, maybe, you know, just a, a different philosophy 
to their approach offensively that will be, you know, some of the keys to, to stealing game two on the road uh, on Tuesday night. So stay tuned in. Uh, Dustin Allwood and myself, Noah Getzel, will be right back with more Locked On Wizards. Hey guys, welcome to the final sec- segment of our podcast tonight, Locked On Wizards. We are here with Dustin Allwood. And after the Wizards lost by eight points uh, here Saturday night, we've got to talk about what changes need to be made for them to, you know, even the series and get back into it. Uh, in Canada, do you think, like, how important is this game too? Are you not too concerned? Do you think the Wizards would be able to, you know, get, get both of them in D.C.? Or do you feel like if the Wizards want to win this series, this is as close to a, a must-win game in game two as as it can be? Or is game, I don't know, game five, say, if it... What, well, what, like, what percent... Maybe percent isn't the best term, but in your mind, Dustin, how important is game two if, if they want to make this a competitive series? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't... I'd stop short of calling it a must-win, but just barely short. I mean, I yeah. think this is a really important game for the Wizards. Because... Um, Trying, expecting to win four out of five against Toronto is uh, that's that's a tough task. So you know, I think you got to get one of these two. Bradley Beal said as much in the post game. Um, so you know, and I think there was a lot to be in the loss, and even though you know there was some frustration down the stretch, I think there was a lot of positives to take out of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it took the Raptors going 16 for 30 from three um, and wall being, you know, pretty abysmal at the rim. And granted, some of that probably uh, was some fouls that weren't called, but two of 12 in, in the restricted area. Wow. Um, and it was still a game, you know, it was still a reasonably close game down the stretch, like you said. So, um, you know, I don't think the Raptors are going to be that hot from three every night. I don't think John Wall is going to miss layups at that rate every night. Um, but like we talked about earlier, I think the biggest thing the Wizards can do to turn things around a little bit in game two um, is just to be a little more particular with the rotations. Right. Um, you know, I think one of Wall or Beal has to be on the floor at all times. Um, I really, you know, it was tough watching... Um, Tim Frazier playing off the ball as effectively the two guard. Yeah, uh, I didn't understand that at all. Is it just because uh, the Wizards don't have a backup shooting guard? Do you feel like what kind of I lineup? Guess. It would say Wall and Beal are both out. What do you want to see in terms of a lineup with like Ubre and and uh, Sadaransky? What what do you think would work best? Say honestly, I would never have a if it was up to me. I would never have a situation where either Wall out. or Beal okay. was not on the floor. Um, you know, if you think, okay, we're going to play both those guys approaching 40 minutes a game, then, you know, you got 32 minutes together and, you know, you cover the rest, you know, eight minutes each, um, with one on the floor, you know, basically being the guy mm-hmm. running solo. And I'd fill Sadaransky with those other two. Um, let Sadaransky play with Wall for eight minutes and with Beal for eight minutes. Um, you know, I know it sounds easy, but it's, I understand Scott Brooks would say it's not so simple. But, um, you know, I think when you take those two off the floor, you really don't have an option. And honestly, even before the Jody Meeks suspension, I don't think you really had an option because right. uh, Meeks really struggled from three. That's what he came here to be was a knockdown three-point shooter, and he only shot 34% from beyond the arc. So I don't really think you have a whole lot of shooting and – 
you know, you, you really need shooting to, to win in the playoffs in the modern NBA. So that's why I wouldn't take, I would always have one of those two on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to see some more small ball, especially with Porter at the four. Um, like I said, it, basically my take would be if Valanciunas isn't on the floor, then Gortat or Mahimi can't be on the floor. Um, I, I just, agree. I yeah. don't think they that they can match up with Ibaka at the five when Pascal he's playing Siakam, the five. he's way too fast yep. for them as well. He can shoot a little bit. Yep. I think, and yeah. So it's going to be a those different Those would be the biggest too. things for me that, that they can improve on going forward. Yeah. And how, like, you know, as well as the Raptors bench played, they didn't even have potentially their best, uh, you know, reserve. And uh, yep. tried Van Vliet, who was going through, you know, some, some shoulder issues. He'll, he... He's probably, I don't know what his status is going to be for game two, but I would imagine that he'll be healthy enough to, to get to, you know, at least see some time. So that's, you know, just another dagger in, in the Wizards' back. But as we mentioned, like, it was a very close game for at least 40 of these minutes of the game. Um, and early on, it actually looked like the Wizards were struggling a little bit, and they were down, I don't know, maybe like eight or ten points in the first quarter. And I was getting a little nervous. I'm like, okay, is this going to be a competitive series or not? And it was mainly like live or die by John Wall in the first quarter. I've got to double check. He had like 12 points, eight assists. He was just yeah, unstoppable. He was, he was probably responsible for like 90% of the team's points in that first quarter because they only scored 23 points. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think more, um, I don't know if it's 100% feasible to have John Wall or Bradley Beal in the entire game, but because you know you need to play them together to start the game and in the fourth quarter. So hopefully that's the case. Um, at, and then I'd say uh, playing Otto Porter at the power forward would be a good call as long as you know he's not matched up against a guy who's like four inches taller than him. Uh, I think it just creates matchup issues because he can stretch the floor. He can chase guys who would be stretching the floor like Serge Ibaka um, if they go with him at the four spot. And I think some things that have to repeat would be amazing power forward play. You need Mike Scott and uh, Markeith Morris to show up again. They both had awesome games. You would like to see Sadoransky kind of have a more playmaker type role. You would like to see his his him be surrounded by more shooters, as you mentioned. And then hopefully we'll see. I, I really want to see Kelly Oubre guarding DeRozan or Kyle Lowry. I think he could really be a pest for them and we didn't see that very much because uh he played what 16 minutes so his impact wasn't really felt but i think he's absolutely the x factor for the wizards bench when he gets when he gets it going and he's hitting threes and making defensive plays he had five rebounds yeah it's just been it's just been so long since he's been even close to you know a wash on offense i mean he's been so bad offensively for so long now um, that he really is just becoming a liability on that end of the floor. I mean, he had a couple good defensive possessions, one specifically on DeRozan where he forced a tough shot. Um, but, um, yeah, you've got to find something to get Kelly going. Even if you just tell him, look, your job right now is to just go stick to Mark DeRozan. Right. And hopefully he can – you know, we saw that in the Boston game um, – towards the end of the season where he was really having an awful game um, through two quarters. And they basically just told him, look, go get some stops and let that get you going offensively. And it really did. He, he made some shots down the stretch after that. Um, I think he's just, 
he's so erratic sometimes that it's tough to rein him in because mm-hmm. that that aggressiveness is what makes him good defensively. Um, That's gonna they've change. just got to find ways to keep him in check offensively mm-hmm. where he's not hurting the team because he took some some bad shots today, yeah. uh, made some bad decisions about putting the ball on the floor and getting to the rim when they maybe had better options. So, you know, I agree with you. He's got to be a factor for them to win. I don't think the Wizards can win this series without Kelly Oubre having an impact. So they have to find some way to get him going. I wish he could just become like Bruce Bowen, like one of those guys who plays smart offensively. I feel like that kind of just comes with age, but a guy who doesn't, need to have his shot going, doesn't need to have the ball in his hands. He's someone who's just going to be, you know, just a nuisance on the best player, uh, the best wing player, the best guard uh, for the opponent. And I wish that he could, you know, embrace that role a little bit more. But it seems like when he's missing, just like a lot of the Wizards, his his missed shots will really affect his offense, or sorry, his defense. And he had two turnovers as well. The bench had, the Wizards didn't turn the ball over very much, but, uh, you know, 13 turnovers... Six of them came off the bench, so that's not the best look. And then John was responsible for five more of those. I think that'll just about wrap things up. Uh, we're going to come back to you on Monday evening with a preview of Game 2. And so be sure to tune in for that one and keep following along with uh, all of our Twitter handle- handles for more updates, uh, Locked On Wizards. Dustin, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for, for being on the show. It's good to hear yeah, from you. It's been too long. Yep. Cool. Glad well, to be here. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, have a good night, and hopefully Wizards can even things up back in, what do they call it, the, the Jurassic Park here on Tuesday? <laughs> Jurassic Park, yep. That's a good nickname. Wizards, the vault just doesn't cut it. Wizards need to cut it. Yeah. All right. Well, good night, everybody. Uh, talk to you soon. more than my phone. No, leave me alone. Me on my own. No. I cut the bitch off like an edit. My daddy a G is genetics. I heard your new shit is pathetic. Your contrast should be shredded. To my dogs on the private jet from the public house, and I kept a G, yeah, 1,000. Click stars started like the Paramount money. Everything I do is righteous. Betting on me is the right risk. Even in a fucking crisis, I'm never on some switch of side shit. I switch gears to the night shift. Blacking out because I'm enlightened. God talks to me in silence, but I hear him every time, man. Thank you, God. God bless you. Thank Last you so night much. took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning by the night I come do that ass was real when I hit it, bounce back. You ain't getting checks. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell. Catch the check and bounce back. D-Town LA.